business owners, we think that, hey, I just want to have business credit. And then we forget about the personal credit side. And it's like a delicate dance where you want to have both uh, because you never know which one the lender is going to put the most weight on. Sometimes they'll put a bit yes. more weight on the personal credit. Other times they'll put a bit more weight on the business credit. And so you want to have both. And in addition to that, I also think it's like a mindset thing where if, and again, this is just how I view it, right? If you're irresponsible with your personal finances, that thing is going to find its way into your business one way, shape or form. Welcome to the Performance Mindset Podcast, and I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. After a decade of providing expert commercial real estate advice and consultation to the business owners and investors I serve, I wanted to share some of the most inspiring and influential leaders I've met along the way. The goal of this podcast is to share valuable insights from these impactful individuals, as well as business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning in to the right show. Hello, friends. Welcome back again to the Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Calandrino, CEO of Beyond Commercial. I've been doing this for over a decade now, providing expert commercial real estate and advice to business owners and investors. And I want to share some of the most inspiring and influential people I've met along the way. The goal of the podcast is to share insights from these impactful individuals, as well as some business and commercial real estate trends. If you want to grow, you're tuning into the right show. Today, I'm excited to have social media superstar Irvin Pena, also known as Irv Official, as a guest on the show. He is an author, speaker, and business owner. Seven years ago, I met him through my friend Mary Fernandez of Empire Network Realty when I was teaching commercial real estate 101. We stayed in contact throughout the years, and it's been wonderful to see him grow the Insight Inner Circle, which is an education and business consulting company. And by sharing the snackable financial advice on his social media channels, he's become a bit of a star, accumulating over a million followers at this point and subscribers among his social media platforms. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me. And my goodness, if, if I can just have that intro and like everything that I do, I mean, I, I, I would be happy. I've never had such a warm intro. Yay! Yay! Well, my team did a great job researching it. And I gave them some tips too. And we'll learn some other awesome things about you today. But tell us a little bit about yes. your background. How'd you get started? And, you know, how did you come to do what you do? Yeah, 100%. So I'll give, I guess, like the 30,000 foot overview of, of everything. Yes. So like you mentioned, you know, you and I had connected through Mary Fernandez, who is to this day, my favorite broker, right? <laughs> See, that's, I mean, just my favorite broker. She's awesome. For those of you guys that don't know her, she's absolutely amazing. So I got connected or we got connected pretty much through her when I was still selling real estate full time out here in Central Florida. And so I remember, what was it, 2019, ending of 2019, um, I told my wife that I wanted to start going into consecration full time. Reason for that was because I started noticing a pattern of whenever I would go out for listings or whenever, whenever I was trying to, let's say, show a home to a buyer, mm-hmm. I started noticing a trend that the agents that I, let's say, kept losing listings to, right, with the competitive market that we have here in Central Florida, uh, were agents that were just pumping a lot into their brands. People mm-hmm. knew them. They were everywhere. They were on the radio. They were on TV. They had commercials. I didn't have that kind of budget. And so I figured that I would just start creating content mm-hmm. that was just highly searchable that I can just get found. 
And so uh, I started creating content at the end of 2019, 2020 comes around. I'm working with my brother as well, because he has a financial services that he does, which is his tax office. And so I would typically help him out at the beginning of the year, which would also be, you know, a place that I can capture leads, right. And then show them home the rest of the year once they would get their tax returns. And so I also started creating content to help bring him some more leads over at the office. Well, lo and behold, everyone knows what happened 2020. And so I remember telling my wife, as things started shutting down, I said, hey, I think that this is going to be a crazy once in a lifetime opportunity where people are just going to start consuming content like we've never seen before because we had nothing else to do with certain parts of the state, the country shut down. And so I remember creating a piece of content where it was a common question at the time. People kept asking my brother and I, hey, you know, what's this stimulus check, uh, a stimulus check thing that people keep talking about? Is it a tax return? Is it not a tax return? And so I said, you know what? I'm kind of tired of answering the question to every single client that, client that comes in. So let me just go ahead and create one piece of content, put it on YouTube. And so everyone that would ask us that day forward, which was like 25 people within like the 24 hour span, we would just send them the link. I woke up the next day, we had about 5,000 views. And so I thought to myself, okay, either, you know, we all of a sudden had a bunch of clients that started sharing this thing or this was like a sample size of what everyone across the country is thinking. And so that's when I said, huh, I think we're onto something here. And that's when we really started going heavy into contra production. Wow. What type of questions do you find that people are searching the most for? Because I mean, now you found your your niche where it's more yeah. business owner, you know, Cetric is, does it kind of change depending on where we are in the year or are there some common threads? Yeah, great question. So now, like you mentioned, kind of have like our niche, what we're known for, right? But at the time when I was also scaling that content, people started asking me, hey, Irv, now that I have my stimulus check, I don't need it. I've always thought about start starting a side hustle. I've always start, thought about having a business. Can I use this to buy an LLC? Can I use this to fix my personal credit, which we started creating personal credit content because at the time I was also getting my credit restored. And so I wanted to reverse engineer it because that's something that I always wanted to get into in the credit space. And so I also started creating pretty much educational content around the credit space. And then I started noticing, hey, kind of like the follow-up question to that is, hey, I have a 750 credit score now but I had this thing called a business. Is there such thing known as business credit? And so, huh, okay, that's also an element that we introduced because now we're starting to scale in terms of the demographic that we're reaching, right? And so I just thought that that was so interesting, kind of like the evolution of everything that was happening, which is even now, I don't think I've ever seen so many business owners ever since you know everything happened after 2020, where people want either a multiple sources of income or they just believe that they, that they can go out there and do it. Yeah, I I see because I work with commercial real estate and I work from people when they start all the way into like they scale. But it, it's it's incredible how many smaller, you know, solopreneur businesses eventually grow to something. And um, I think uh, hopefully my competitors aren't listening to this, but I, you know, that's been wonderful for me to take. And we have some mutual friends too, and take yeah. and like grow them. Like, you know, I've ended yeah. up growing like a field of, of, wonderful like clients, but that was because like I invested in like help these people that were just starting out. And it's you're you're kind of getting exactly. to do the same thing. So exactly. And I think you know Jesse Park, I think that we both yes. her and she was one of my clients and like I helped her lease a space and then lease a bigger space. And then we were going to lease another space. And she's like, wait, how much am I going to spend on that lease space? So then she ended up buying it. And now she's in the process of unlocking her equity. 
to go do something Love else. It. So it's super, super cool. Well, that kind of answers my next question. I was going to say, like, when did you decide to make this a huge part of your business plan? And really, COVID, and, and I agree with you, um, I I even myself was sending out a lot of breaking news bulletins. But, um, oh, so listeners will be, um, or viewers, if you're on YouTube, would be surprised to know between Irv and I, we have six under four at the time. So, and you, you're yeah. the one that has the four under four. <laughs> so we're, we're a little yep, crazy. Yep. Like, so like talk about, because obviously you need to be in a quiet space like you are right now <laughs> to record <laughs> content. Like how, how do you get the space to like have your ideation and still do your business things? Talk about like how, how, how has that been as far as balancing uh, business and your family? Yeah, 100%. I, uh, I attribute it to just, it's a tribe at this point, right? And so uh, my wife is is number one supporter, right? Things that she works on her side, she has her clothing brand that, that we're looking to scale out as well. So she still has some passion projects on her heart. And, you know, we, we really help each other out in that sense, which is awesome. But we have a, uh, a nanny that, that we brought on board where she comes in from about 9 a.m. at 10 a.m. all the way through about 4, 4.30, depending on how crazy my day gets. So every now and again, we'll, you know, we'll extend her and, you know, we'll pay her out for that. And so, I mean, that's been just a huge help because imagine, you know, you have four on the four, you have the triplet boys, for those of you guys that are wondering. So we have triplet boys naturally under the age, or natural, just under the age of 11 months at the time of this recording. So there'll be uh, one year uh, in March. And then we have the little girl, Jubilee, uh, she is going to be four next month in February. And so it just gets crazy here. Right. And so before the nanny, we just never realized how much, you know, it takes to not just raise one kid, but raise three babies at the same time. And so I caught myself because I, I had the whole, I pretty much built out the uh, studio inside of our house. Right. And yeah. so I would kind of catch myself going out, helping her out, you know, put, you know, put a bottle, change a diaper, you know, catch a kid that's yeah. maybe hanging up, hanging off the fan, you know? And then I would, I would see that I would kind of break the focus yep. and I'm a big believer in deep work. I love the book, deep work. I think it, oh, yes, I have that. it just changed the way that I, that I view work. And so I think they mentioned it takes about another 35 to 40 minutes to kind of go back into that state once mm-hmm. it's broken, even if it's just checking your phone, you've broken it. Right. Yeah. And so I really started noticing that, especially when you're creating content. And I mean, and you know this, right. You're creating content, whether you're writing copy or if you're scripting out your next video or even if you're maybe in the middle of an edit that you want to put out, it just, where was I going with this? Okay. Was, oh, yeah, I like how it? you keep the focus because like, you found that you really couldn't balance going out there and doing one thing and Bingo. then it would just completely throw you off. Bingo. Yeah. And so you just kind of catch yourself, you know, what was I doing here? You know, what did I yeah. want to do this? Did I want to do that? And so, yeah, that's, that's what we started noticing. Yeah. It was interesting. I think just the other day I saw a piece of content by someone who was really interesting. And they said like working from home, it's so interesting. Like someone will work out and they're like, well, I'm going to eat a breakfast. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to leave the kitchen dirty. So I'm going to clean up the kitchen. Oh, there's a couple of things over there. So I'm going to throw that in the dish, like yeah, yeah. throw that in the you know laundry. And I do a blend. I find I like going into my office like three days a week. And then the last two days of the week, I, I work from home, but I can't 
get distracted by one thing because one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. So yeah. do you have like multiple locks then on your door? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I definitely have work hours that I have now. Yeah. And it's, it's really the only way to set it up, right? Where let's yeah. say from like from right now with you, even a little bit before 11 a.m. to let's say 2 p.m., it's pure content creation zone yeah. for us. And so that's just mass production. So let's say once I get off the podcast with you, I'll go back out and let's say we'll finish, let's say creating um, an email sequence for the next 20 days. Cause I also consider that content that we're saying in front of our audience, not just recording. So for those of you guys that are wondering, are we just recording? No, I mean, whatever your skill set is, whether it's writing, whether it's recording audio, recording video, that's what I would consider in that, in that four hour block. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and then you tend to have everything kind of planned out ahead of time. And, yes. and then that way it spits out over over the time and like a good cadence well we talked about that like your your family and everything um one thing that i think attracted me to invite you on the podcast as you were saying on your facebook that you hear all these people that have every excuse imaginable and you could easily have excuses to like slow down your cadence or stop creating what do you recommend to help people overcome this mindset of can't and transform into just like doing it this is an interesting conversation because I was actually talking to my team about this because every every now and again, and not even for the general public, but every now and again, it also happens inside of our organization, right? And so I've always thought that, especially now as we train more people in our team, mm-hmm. is when we decide to work on a skill or work on changing something, when things are difficult, when that thing ceases, so let's say when that tough time kind of goes away, you've solidified the skill set or you've solidified the habit that you want to change, right? We see this a lot at the beginning of the year. So gyms are full right now, right? Yes. But only only, only a handful of people are probably going to actually stick with it, right? And then the rest of them are kind of just going to go about their day because it was it was a decoy. It wasn't really something that they actually wanted. It's a difference between wanting something and actually right. wanting something, right? And so I've noticed that, especially hiding behind, let's say, kids, that in my opinion, would be a different excuse. So before, hey, I had kids, I can't do this thing. It was, hey, I don't have enough time because I work two jobs. Okay, before you had two jobs, it was, hey, I don't have, let's say, a dietitian, so I can't follow a meal plan. Before it was that. And then the excuses just go on and on and on because we don't want to be confronted on our BS. You know, it's so, so interesting. You and some other people know I went through a completely, complete, well, at least I've shared it on Facebook, but I went through a complete reorganization of my company. And for the last three, four years, I was trying one model and I had so many teammates. They're like, well, I can't do cold calls because of this. I can't do this because you don't have enough admin staff. You can't do this. And every time they would throw up this thing, I'd fix it and I'd fix it and I fixed it and I fixed it. And then eventually I realized this is my leadership. Like this, the, this is like all like a, like a shell game. I always felt like, and so I finally <laughs> was like, you know what? Maybe it's not me. It's, it's them. And like, I need to organize myself with a culture of people who want to be accountable that don't want to have excuses and do those things. But it is so true. Like, you know, people, if they don't really want to do something, they're going to do every excuse in the book. Mm-hmm. And especially as a leader, you can't tolerate that. Like within your organization, if you have, a, if you're known for a standard of excellence and actually I'm kind of a, you know, now a year, now some time out, I'm a little bit like embarrassed, you know, I have like this performance mindset thing, but then I wasn't really practicing what I preach. And so, but everyone on my team now has my commitment that I'm going to this year. So it's work in progress. 
it's a work in progress, but I think, I think, yeah, you have to just like eradicate any kind of excuses. If you want to really do something, you you just gotta, gotta do it. So do you have like a single most important reason for your success? Is there any, like maybe one video that catapulted it or anything big that you feel like really helped to get you this momentum? I, it's a, that's a good question. I've always been a pretty consistent person in terms of just doing kind of like the same boring thing every day. I grew up just in a baseball background. And so hitting a hundred, you know, fly balls or, you know, yeah. uh, catching a hundred balls a day. And, and so I think that that was a piece to it, but I also attach it to curiosity. I'm, I'm yeah. a highly curious person. And so if something is working, I want to find out why it's working. I want to reverse engineer. Will that work for mm-hmm. us? But the catch 22 with that is you can't let that become shiny object syndrome. I think that's the number one thing. If like there's any takeaway, if anyone takes from this, that for what I can speak for myself is sticking to the main thing. I don't think that we're ever too advanced for the basics. And so even if we're doing, you know, these high level operations, you know, speaking on stages, you know, breaking down people's businesses to help them scale, you normally go back to where, you know, things kind of got messy with them. And you'll see that, hey, you just forgot to do the basics, forgot to call people back, you forgot to send that email, you forgot to have your weekly huddles. And it's usually the boring thing, or at least the thing that we think is boring, is what gives us the most results, because it is predictable. That's uh, interesting. And I I have to, I could get lured by really, really big deals that call and like someone's like, I need this much space, but I need to like go right away. But then I already had everything kind of planned for the week. And so then if I Mm -hmm. do that, then I'm saying no to all these other things. And so then you have to ask yourself if that type of person isn't really like planning and isn't like organized, do you really, really want to work with them? And you just have to be very disciplined about those that you're like surrounding with. And I think you just had a piece of content about that too. <laughs> so I'm talking yeah, about yeah. like the not, this, this not the, the saying, um, saying no and like being really disciplined. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is that distractions, right. They, they, they become so sexy. It's like the matrix, the woman in the red dress. Right. And so yes. you turn, he looks back and then Morpheus is like, you know, did we lose you? Were you paying attention to me? And then when he looks back, it's the agent has a gun in his face. Right. And it's kind of like that with us, right. Where we think just because someone else is doing something, oh man, that's way easier than what I'm doing. Right. No, you just have uninformed optimism. You don't really know what's happening on the back end with their operations or how many things are juggling to make it look like it's going easy for them. It's just uninformed optimism. It, it is interesting. I think um, a lot of people, especially when you look at go- greatest of all time people like Michael Jordan or Tom Brady, they just make it look so easy. But then um, I watched the mini series like Tom versus time that they had on Facebook a long time ago. And you could see it was all like this routine and the monotony that you kind of talk about. And by you then all of a sudden trying to pivot to do what someone else does, and then you forgo, you all worked with it. It could be catastrophic and throw you completely off. So talk about your typical work day, though. You said you have this really deep work where definitely 11 to 2 is your creative time. What else? What other components are part of your day? So I try to something that I've been a bit more intentional about this year is getting back in shape. I think that, you know, and I'm, and I'm guilty to it, right? Where I kind of lost that uh, in exchange for just the long hours. And so I've kind of gotten back into that. So typically my days are, I'm already at the gym by 6 a.m. Yep. So 
I'm back by about maybe 7.30, 8, taking a shower. So my, my schedule is going to be a bit unique for, uh, for most people. In a, in a, I would say in a different world, if I didn't have this many kids, right after getting home, let's see, from the gym, my wife would go to the gym, right? And so we kind of trade because the nanny's not here until 10 a.m. And so we yeah. trade. So I can't jump into a workday just yet. And so when my wife comes back, the nanny gets here. That's when pretty much at 10 a.m. That's when my workday starts. Yeah. So from, I'd say 10 to about one, 10 to about two, that's our creative state on there. And so we are, I'm trying to stay away from anything that feels like it's too admin. Um, and so usually for that, you can just maybe hire someone else out, maybe a VA yes. or hire an admin because you want to focus on high leverage activities. So high leverage activities are usually things that you do once. So for us, this is a high leverage activity. You and I are going to publish this podcast and then for the months and years to come, people are going to consume it and they're always going to find you. It's, it's, it's almost like a, but kind of like a magnet, right? And so we do this one time, takes us one hour or an hour and a half, however long we're in here, but we're going to get maybe a 10x output on the outreach from what we're going to get rather than having 10,000 different conversations versus 10,000 views, right? And so from, I'd say from two to about five, that's when I'm doing, you know, more of the admin side of, hey, do we need to respond to an email? Hey, is there maybe a fire that needs to get put out? Which typically, if you have a good team, they're doing it for you. If you don't have anything like that at that point, I'm going back into making our product better. And so one of the other things that I've done is I've essentially wiped out everything else that I had and just focused on the main thing, which is the inside inner circle. Uh, so that we're just solely focused on that our clients and how we can continue to make that better. We don't need to do a thousand things good. I just want to do one thing great. So when you got into social media, it seems to me that you started to focus on platform and then another platform and then another platform, and you kind of got good on each of them. And then it was incremental. Like talk about, talk about that in relation to what you were just explaining. Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, looking back at it and typically the advice that I would give someone starting out looking from the outside. And if you've never done social media, I would say pick a platform. The reason why I would say pick a platform is because every platform has to be communicated differently, even though it's the same core message. And so if you're communicating something on TikTok, it needs to be fast versus in sound bites versus someone who's listening to maybe this podcast right here, they can maybe sit through the conversation a bit longer and hear someone's thoughts start to come out, right? Yes. And also understanding demographics. And so I started understanding where does my tribe hang out, right? So my tribe is typically between the ages of 28 to right around 45. Like those were my people, 28 to 45. Do we serve people outside of that demographic? Yes, we serve people under it, yes. But 28 to 45, at least from what I've experienced, are people that are kind of like in the hustle and bustle of building yep. out the business, scaling the teams and just growing their companies, right? And so understanding that, where do they hang out? Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. From what I've seen, do we still publish over on TikTok? Yes. I mean, because we already have an audience, but if maybe it was the opposite and you were, you're maybe 23 listening to this, maybe you have a t-shirt brand, you may want to be over on TikTok. You just have to understand which platform do you want to go in and which one can you get the most leverage out of that, That's the main thing. Once you dominate one, that's when you can start building around it. Yeah, I think that at least building one piece. And then what I've heard too is like you don't want it to exactly be the same in each of them. And it always it always changes. Like, do you set aside each week like time to research it, or is it kind of like ad hoc that you're you're learning new things to adapt your social media? Um, like learn the social media or what we're gonna talk about. Like uh well, 
I think uh, both. I mean, you have to research what you're going to talk about, but then the actual syndication methods and like how like the different algorithms that are constantly changing, is that something that you set aside some time to research each week or is it kind of throughout more in the afternoons? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to research it throughout the week. So let's say if I have an hour where I'm just kind of seeing, okay, you know, what type of I try to stay away from trends, but maybe what style of caption is in right now or what style of delivery. And so I've noticed that some of my best videos, and you'll probably see a little bit more of this, is some of my best videos on TikTok are ones that I've stitched. So let's say it'll have the first four seconds. It'll have someone speaking like, hey, share an experience that you went through when you were you know, in your early entrepreneurial years. That video cuts off and then my piece comes in. I've noticed that that, that performs a lot better on, on uh, TikTok than it does on YouTube or Facebook. And so on YouTube or Facebook, maybe I'll just have that video just existing on TikTok and maybe I'll just have a video of me kind of like in this setting right here on Facebook or on YouTube, just because again, that attention span, it holds a bit more on those platforms versus what it would on TikTok. And in terms of researching, I always like to go into my analytics, you know, what, not so much which video performed the best, but also, you know, what videos were searched that maybe led people to, and you could do that a bit more on YouTube. And mm-hmm. so let's say if somebody was searching for, let's say, how to build business credit, as an example, if you're under the age of 25, just has a long tail. And I see that that's what they were typing in, but they got to my video. That may be maybe a new long tail that I want to focus on on my next piece. Wow. That's really cool. I, I've heard of these long tails and those are the things I have not gotten as much into the granular to learn all, all of it. I'm just more so creating the content and having the podcast. I think that's super cool. I'd like to get a little bit more techie as I go along. So yeah, I mean, you can have a team maybe do that for you and then they could just give you maybe the top 10 for the week or something. And then at that point you can kind of pick, okay, let's do these two. That's a great idea too. Yeah. I should be having them team me up reports and like, so that way I can adjust what I'm doing. Bingo. And then you pick the one that I always say, pick the one that you can, that's going to take you the least amount of effort. Like, don't get me wrong. We still want to create good content, but which one is going to take me the least amount of effort to at least put out and then get the ball rolling. Wow. Yeah. So, so true. So we were talking a little bit about intentionality And I want to talk about leveraging social media to bolster, to boost your relationships. And so I call it kind of like a hybrid bond where you know someone in person, but then you also know them in law, you know, in in person and also online. So, you know, can you speak to any relationships that started through social media and then you met them later? Or are there any in particular that have led to, to other ways? Maybe it's like a mentor or someone that you admire. That's a good one. So I actually... A good friend of mine, Dan Hughes, he has a YouTube channel, I think about 130, 140,000 subscribers right now. We actually connected because I commented on one of his videos when he was at like maybe 8,000 subs. Uh, And so I said, hey, great piece of content. love what you're doing. And so I woke up the next day, he pinned my comment and he says, man, this means a lot coming from you. I'm a huge fan of your channel. And so we took it kind of off of uh, the platforms. We exchanged numbers. I shot him a message on a over on Instagram, because you can't message anyone on YouTube. And so I messaged him over on Instagram. I said, hey, man, love what you do. We'd love to connect with you sometime. He and I, that was about a year ago. He and I actually connected. We've pretty much done content together. He's spoken uh, to my coaching clients. I've spoken inside of his coaching program. We actually connected in person December of last year of 2022 in person. We're actually working on some bigger things as well. So you can 100% build real authentic relationships online that you can take them off offline 
and you can also make it profitable along the way. Like you can have both. Yes. I'm getting to do some collaborations this year with some other commercial real estate people in other markets. And it, it's just, it's so fun. It's a, to be I love it. And collaborating, we're collaborating. It's a beautiful thing. So do you have any books or events that inspired you the most along your way? Yes. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I like $100 million offers by Alex Ramosi. That one is probably one of the best books. You know who that is? I have that book. It's a purple book. And I remember starting Big old purple book. and it had a picture of his like bank account or something. And he's like, I never want to go back yeah. there like again. And I'm like, that's so good. You got to like, I do quite that. a bit of listening. I do quite a bit of listening to him. I like another book that I'm into right now is the one thing by Gary Keller. I've read it maybe three or four times. I like to read it every now and again in quarters, just because you got to shake it up every now and again. We all get distracted, right? And so I'll check back to Gary Keller every now and again. And then lastly, at least for maybe I can name three. I like Russell Brunson, Traffic Secrets, pretty much anything in regards to building out funnels, building a community, driving traffic. I think that that's the go-to. We'll have to include some links to those books. And the last one I hadn't heard before, you said Traffic. Uh, Traffic Secrets by Russell Brunson. Okay. Hmm. I have not heard of that before. That's interesting. We'll have to look into that. The entire digital world on that side. Awesome. So yeah, talk about your business that you have now and what it exists to to do so that, you know, people have an understanding of how you may be able to help them or someone else that they know. Yeah. Essentially what our, what our business is, just a 30,000 overview is like you mentioned, uh, we have the Insight Inner Circle, which is our education company, right? We help business owners build out their business credit so that they can essentially fund their businesses and use that money to make more money faster. And so whether someone's, let's say a brand new business, we help them build out their LLCs. We help them add the proper trade lines. We help them sequence out what we call funding frameworks for the pretty much the credit card applications or the loans that they may want to get or ones that they may want to stay away from, right? Because not all funding products are created equal. And so even with existing business owners that we have, we'll take a look at their personal and business credit profiles. We'll see where they are and then we'll kind of customize a game plan for them to help them get to the next level um, with the funding that they want. So whether it's one LLC, an S-Corp, C-Corp, even nonprofits, we help them all be, um, I just don't want it, you know, people to think that we do credit repair. We don't do credit repair. This is, you know, 100% education. So we have like the framework and the fundamentals behind it. If someone did want to repair their own credit, but we always tell someone, hey, you know, if you wanted to pay someone to do it, they can 100% do it. You know, because I think what ends up happening is business owners, we think that, hey, I just want to have business credit. And then we forget about the personal credit side. And it's like a delicate dance where you want to have both uh, because you never know which one the lender is going to put the most weight on. Sometimes they'll put a bit more weight on the personal credit. Other times I put a bit more weight on the business credit. And so you want to have both. And in addition to that, I also think it's like a mindset thing where if, and again, this is just how I view it, right? If you're irresponsible with your personal finances, that thing is going to find its way into your business one way, shape or form. Yeah. And that those habits are, you're going to start wondering, okay, wait a minute. I thought we paid this person in payroll. Wait a minute. Why are we negative this month? Like what's, what's going on? It's because those habits were carried over to the business. It's interesting. I feel like I could have grown so much quicker in my business, but I stood firm to just doing it like on a cash basis with a really small credit card. And it was when I did start to actually get some lines of credit and different things that I, you know, because this 
my nature, my business, it comes in waves. Like I'll have a yeah. whole bunch of clothes at one time. And then again, a whole bunch of clothes at one time and having the, the credit in between. And then when I was able to add a lot more employees and such, it made, it made a great difference. I think um, sometimes people are fearful like I was, cause I grew up, you know, from very blue collar roots. I was like, I didn't want to do, do all that. I was like scared. And there really wasn't a reason behind it, like, you know, to, to do that. So what recommendations do you have for someone that has that mindset like I did originally? Uh, just like scared to use credit or just scared to invest period? Just like, you know, like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to go ahead and get any kind of credit for my business, even though, you know, it could be beneficial. So do you have anything to, to say to that? Yeah, my, my thoughts on it are always have credits with a game plan. Yeah. Every now and again, we'll, we'll have to just, you know, if I'm just being honest, we'll have to turn people down where they'll say, hey, you know, I want access to $100,000 in business funding. And can we do it for them 100%? We, we can show them the ropes. But then it's usually what type of business do you have? You know, yeah. I just, I still have a job. I'm just, that'd be cool to have 100K in funding. And so we respectfully turn them down. And so I always say, have at least a framework or a shell of what you plan on doing with it. And so let's say if you have a dry cleaning business, if you're a real estate agent, right? Okay, where are these dollars going to go? Are we going to maybe use this to acquire more customers? Are we dumping in this into Zillow leads? Are we dumping this more into maybe I want to hire two VAs to help me with some of the cold calling that I'm doing so that we can continue to nurture? You want to find a way and think of a way that for every dollar that I put in, I have to get at least $2 back. Right. That's your it's gonna be your ROAS, your return on ad spend. And so if you don't have that figured out just yet, I would at least start building out the business credit before you start going out for the funding because confidence is gonna come from you at least having that plan in place versus you kind of just trying to shotgun it. Yeah, you have to have like an intentionality with it. And I think maybe that 100%. was it too. It's like I was just like, oh, I'll stay this size and be really boutique. And then then I realized the value of expanding. And maybe that was what having a bigger plan and a bigger purpose was what maybe propelled me to do that and maybe others to do the same. So well, awesome. Where do you so you're everywhere, but yes. uh, what's the easiest way for someone to find you? I think Instagram or or, or YouTube. Right. Instagram or YouTube, just herbal official. Can't miss me. Even though there's like 50 fake accounts. I'm, I'm working on the blue check, but they have they have you jump through hoops for that. It's crazy. Yeah. How do you get a blue check on Instagram? So you essentially, from what I've heard, you have to have at least 12 to 15 articles or publishings written about you. So if you have a publicist, they could probably do this for you. They have to publish that and then you submit that over to, I guess, like a rep <laughs> over on Instagram. And they try to verify or authenticate that it's actually you. But I mean, sometimes that's not even guaranteed, right? So it's it's been just so so wonky, especially when you have so many fake accounts, it actually makes it harder. Well, they they're faking you like because you're so awesome. So <laughs> the greatest form of flattery. <laughs> it is, it is. It's it sucks sometimes because every now and again someone would message me saying, Hey, I bought Bitcoin. I'm like, dude, I don't even talk about Bitcoin. I have no idea what that is. And so the scams are out there. Oh gosh, that that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. I <laughs> I did not get involved with any Bitcoin. Not to say that I might not later. I just I felt like I didn't have to be the first one to dip my toe in the water on that. So yeah. <laughs> stick to what. Well, I'm you didn't miss out on you didn't miss out on this bear market. That's for sure. Yeah, like I know this is usually the last question, but do you have any popular entrepreneurial advice that you disagree with because you've been working with so many different business owners? popular entrepreneur advice. Yes. 
This one might get me thrown off, not your show, but just thrown off from people, right? I am am not a fan of side hustles. I know that gets thrown out a lot. I know it, it makes for great content, right? I'm not a fan of side hustles. I know that a lot of entrepreneurs tend to talk about having multiple streams of income. I like to view it just the complete reverse. I think I've been double downing and I'm going to continue to double down on my platforms on making boring work great again. I think that we need to get away from the flashiness of, hey, I can make an extra you know, 5K with this business and an extra 200 bucks a day over here. And, I, and the way that I see it, I see it kind of like measuring sticks, right? So if we have, let's say, 12 inches of energy that we can give off, let's say we give off five to this side, seven to this side, why not put the entire 12 inches of, let's say, focus, almost like a, almost like a light beam to really, uh, you know, through, through a, uh, what I call a magnifying glass that would actually cause it to heat up enough to cause some fire versus just continuing to move the focus where, again, we go back to deep work. And so I think that side hustles are really a distraction. I think that's the reason why we look for side hustles is because we lack skill sets and we also lack the ability to hold on to something long enough for us to actually build up enough value to make a lot of money to not need anything else. I, I would agree with you from personal experience and also seeing it with, with business owners. It's incredibly challenging. I think sometimes you might have to do it for a little bit until you can like jump from like, you're almost like a baby bird, like leaving your mom's nest. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like you're just like, you know, you're ramping up and you're starting. But if you're planning on like keeping one foot over here and one foot over here and like continuing that on that's the thing. for a long, yeah, that's, that, not that's, sustainable. that's not sustainable. That's not sustainable. That I mean, what you just mentioned, if it's a bridge, 100%, right? Because yeah. everyone starts, everyone starts somewhere different, right? right? But when you're trying to run both at the same time, and I've gotten in trouble for saying it this way, but I'm going to continue to say it this way is I think it's very arrogant of us to think that we are going to compete with someone who has their systems dialed in 100% and is only doing commercial real estate. How dare I think that I can run an education company and run against someone like yourself and take you out of business? That's not happening. And so I'm trying to compete, let's say against you, I'm getting my butt whooped, but then someone who's just 100% on the education side, I'm getting my butt whooped over here as well. And so I'm just going to continue to jump from industry to industry thinking that it's the industry, but it's really just me. Well, it's the, it's the depth. It's the depth. And so I'm actually really glad we, um, and then I noticed too, there's just, there's different kinds of people in the world. There's like people that a lot of those people that are the side hustle people and like just stay superficial people are also the people like at the events like this and like throwing their business cards at you. They just want, they want the path of least resistance and like the quickest like buck rather than getting in deep and then like really putting down roots. And so I think when you have that, so I believe that, yeah, it's probably unpopular to hear that, but it's true because I've worked with so many different people and it just, it's, it dilutes you. And then, yeah, you end up being one of those. And sometimes you sound almost like you're bullshitting people because you don't really know what you're talking about because you're not investing the time to know what you're knowing about because you're just trying to do a lot of little things like, not very well. So no, I agree with you. I you're, think- you're, you're a mile wide and an inch deep. Yeah. You have nothing to offer the marketplace. You'll get put out so quickly by someone like yourself, an, an actual expert. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that is, I like, I like that. I, I think that not enough people hear that it's a tough pill to swallow, but I think it's, it's very true that I think you have to, you're going to succeed where you put your focus 
And I think that taking to have the discipline to really put yourself into something you're going to be good at. Now, can you change later on down the road what you're going to do? Yes. But I think that, you know, at least having a focus is so, so key. And that's probably what has fueled your success is, you know, saying, hey, I think we have something here. And you were kind of doing a little bit of both. And then you're like, okay, let's go. (laughs) All, All in. Yeah. And, and even, even with the concept that we were creating, you know, we were, we were going to start really niching down. Yeah. That's one of those things where you mentioned it's kind of like the bridge. That's why I agree with you on that, where it is kind of like a bridge where, where you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out, but we didn't have six other channels. We had one channel and we were trying to figure out on the main channel versus having 25 channels. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, it has been awesome connecting with you. And I think we're going to have to do a play date soon. And I think it's like joyful chaos when we do. So because I'm fortunate to be in the sunshine state with you. So there's no reason why we can't get together. Again, you can find Irv on mostly YouTube and Instagram. On Instagram, it's irv.official. Don't go to any of those fake accounts because they'll try to sell you Bitcoin. And I appreciate everybody tuning in to help to bring out and strengthen your performance mindset. This is Amy Calandrino signing off.